0: reached out and asked if they could share her picture with her credit
1: oh, cool. she's an influencer now she's officially an influencer mm-hmm. a bourbon influencer
0: it's exciting <laughs>
1: Welcome to Bottle of Brown. I'm your host, Danny Paul. With me, as always, is the vice host, Leon Coventry. Leon. Danny, how are you today? I'm very good, sir. How are you? How was your week? Outstanding. Oh. I get better
0: every day. I Story? feel the world. I feel, no, I just feel the world opening up, and it it cheers me up. It does. Oh. I I love what's happening out there. The sun is shining. Birds are are singing. I love it. I love it. Uh, People... And people seem to be a little bit happier, more optimistic about, you know, a world not completely melting down all the time. But, you know, that's this week. That's this week.
1: Things are opening up. I guess uh, bars and restaurants in California are at 25% capacity. or Are they at 50 yet? We went to uh, code orange
0: today. So Mm -hmm. I believe that's the direction they're heading. They they went from red to orange. So we are on stage two, uh, heading down to one, I hope hopefully. And I got my uh, father, his, uh, shot in the arm. I, I registered myself, triple B met, uh, registered. So hopefully we can get in quick and get stuck and, and, and move on with our lives.
1: Good for you, sir. That's excellent news.
0: You, you did number one, right? You did. I'm already done with number one. That's
1: correct. Yep. Uh, so and when I, number two I, comes- I am scheduled on the 14th for jab number two. So Uh, no horrible side effects to speak of? No, no. I mean, I I woke up a little sore under my arm today, which is where your lymph nodes are. And they say that when you get jabbed in the arm, it should travel to your lymph nodes. So that's normal. Uh, So I don't know if that really had anything to do with, uh, if it had anything to do with the virus or not, or or the, I'm sorry, with the vaccine. Uh, It's just the way I woke up today. So I couldn't tell you.
0: How many days later was
1: that? Oh, (sighs) We're going on at least a week, so eight, eight days, eight days. That's interesting. (laughs) That is interesting. Again, I don't know if it has anything to do with the vaccine. It could just be how I woke up today. Uh, Neither here nor there. Yeah. How are you doing? I am. uh, I am doing quite well, my friend. It is eighty. It was eighty-two about two hours ago uh, because we Mm -hmm. filmed this night. And uh, it was about 90 today. And the reason that we were trying to scramble at the last minute to get all this stuff for the Brown bracket is I built a brand new table with the old man. Okay. It's something that I'll, I'll try and bring up uh, during our parenting segment, but if you have an opportunity to do a project with a parent, uh, I think that's a wonderful thing Uh, just as a bonding and exercise. Uh, and we just had a fun time building a table today. So it was six hours with dad where we were working with lumber and wood and we were sawing stuff and we're staining and glazing and frills and bolts. And yeah, it was was visceral manliness.
0: You have a very different father son relationship. I, I I'm not sure that if I built a table with my father, that it would either be functional or safe to place anything on.
1: Yeah, I mean, you guys don't have the carpentry gene. Uh, we do not. Trade-offs, right?
0: Fair enough. We we do like to beer bomb together. That's oh, fun.
1: See? That's yeah, a good bond. That's a unique bond, right? There. That's unbreakable. What is your brown for today, sir?
0: Brown today is Bell Mead out of Nashville. It's uh It's uh, one of the few Tennessee bourbons I have. It's pretty good if you can find it. It's actually, it was fairly common for me to find it east of the Mississippi. But we got a hell of a time trying to find it west of Mississippi. So uh, Triple B found it just recently uh, on her escapades and, and picked up a bottle. And so therefore, that's what I'm having tonight.
1: And you shared some interesting news with me earlier regarding Triple B. Is there something that you want to share with our Magic 15?
0: Well, Magic fifteen. Well, the uh, you know, as Triple B is becoming uh, uh, more and more of the influencer that uh, she didn't realize she could be for her photographs of bourbon. She loves. She takes this very, very seriously, and she waits for the right time of the day. And mm-hmm. she she really enjoys uh, photographing the different bourbons in different settings. And we take it, we take different bourbons with us everywhere we go. And she actually, she does a really, really good job. The pictures come out fantastic. So, but just recently she, she posted one of Weller and uh, they, they reached out to her and said, you you would would you mind if we used it? So, and so there you go. She got her first uh, kudos from, well, she gets kudos all the time from the actual Mm -hmm. distilleries, but this time they, they, they asked to use hers and, and give her the credit. So and the brand reached out. That's a big deal. Yeah. The brand reached out. They, they enjoyed it. So that's exciting. And uh, I think it's just the beginning for, her cause she's, she's crushing it. And you, you know, if you're passionate about something and you enjoy something, it shows and she loves it. She absolutely loves it. And she, 100%. she's so, so much more creative than uh, I thought you could be doing this kind of thing. Anybody really, but she's, she, uh, she's, She's really good at creating content. She's got a posting every day and she has for months. So it's a lot of content and she's just really good at, at getting out there. So good for her. And I hope she continues it. And I hope she, uh, and people take notice because she's working hard at her. it. Yeah. Uh,
1: Busty bourbon batch on Instagram. Check out, uh, say hi to her friend of the show. Uh, if you want to talk to us, you can email us at bottleofbrown at gmail.com. You can email Danny. You can email Leon. You can leave us content ideas. You can refute anything we say on the show. Brown at gmail.com. Head us up. Talk to us about the brown bracket. Talk to us about anything we've gone in any of our weekly brown bulletins. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, without further Danny, ado, what's mail, Danny, what's oh, your brown? Danny, what's your brown? I didn't do my brown. Uh, I'm going to go with the Old Forester 1897.
0: It was featured in a
1: round three brown bracket.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Careful, careful. Wow. you want have to stumble yourself back up says, to your room. It
1: says here, bottled and bond with a nice green stamp on it. It is a standard 750 mil bottle. With the passage of the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897, Old Forester transitioned from 90 proof to 100 proof. Originally produced on Louisville's Whiskey Row, this whiskey has a rich, bold character reminiscent of a 19th century Bourbon,
0: that's a big boy or a big girl bourbon you oh, yeah. got there. So I'm, I'm proud of you. Going back.
1: Uh, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna enjoy this. We're gonna savor this. It's got a lovely nose to it. The bouquet is just, mm, wow mm. so nice. Love it. Hey man, let's get into brown news. Brown news. Brown news. Ah. Today's brown news comes to us from Trader Joe's. When was the last time you went to Trader Joe's? Ah, uh, literally a couple of days ago. Literally a couple there's days one, ago. All right,
0: <laughs> there's there's one right next to us, and we are loving it. We've never been this close to one.
1: Have you ever gotten the Charles Shaw? Uh, two buck Chuck. That's right. I have. Two buck Another chuck. quick
0: story about uh, TJ himself. Mm-hmm. We went up to Arrowhead. I told you about that uh, recently tell. as well. Went up, went up the mountain, went to Arrowhead Lake. Mm-hmm. That's what we did for Triple B's uh, birthday, and we did a little paddle boat tour around the lake. And they pointed out uh, TJ's uh, lakeside house up there in Arrowhead. He's got good, oh, really? good taste. Yeah, my well, he's passed away just recently, but it was a beautiful home right on the lake. So. I guess he did well for himself. You wouldn't know all yes, so. well, the cheap price. Not off yes, a two-bar check.
1: Well, so this is interesting because this article uh, originally posted September 15th, 2018. This is one of those retrospectives that popped up. Uh, I thought it interesting because we don't really focus on wine, but we do know that Trader Joe's has an interesting selection. I've seen Triple B uh pictures of what she finds at Trader Joe's. And so I thought it'd be a nice little shout out. Uh, to Trader Joe's start, the article starts, walk into almost any Trader Joe's store, and you'll spot a behemoth display of Charles Shaw, or as it's more affectionately known, two buck Chuck. Priced (laughs) at a mere $199 to $379 per bottle, this magical ether is cheaper than most bottled water. It's been knighted as the darling of the discount wine world by critics and boasts a cult following among price minded consumers. For Trader Joe's, the wine is also a gold mine. The grocery chain has no sold kidding. for reals. The grocery chain has sold 1 billion bottles of Two Buck Chuck since debuting the beverage in 2002. 1 billion bottles in less than 20 years. Wow. Today some locations sell as many as 6,000 bottles a day or 16% of the average store's daily sales.
0: When I was introduced to Two Buck Chuck, it was very much at a point in my life where i didn't have any money you know i was scraping by but sometimes you want to be fancy you want to feel like an adult and when you're there you know two bucks 350 for a bottle of wine if you're gonna have you know your hamburger helper you know it goes good with uh, (laughs) a good red meat (laughs) because that's what you can afford it it, it's really for the price. There's no better value on the planet.
1: 100%. I, can't say it's
0: a, I can't say it's the best wine I've ever had, but it is absolutely worth the money you pay for it.
1: Well, for two dollars, you you get 750 milliliters of alcohol. Uh, it's more sophisticated than a 40 water, uh, but it also it also suggests that you can pair it with things like what What do you pair a 40 of Red Dog with? Nothing I want to say on this that won't get me in trouble. Magic fifteen. <laughs> Correct me, but right? what what do we what do we pair the forty with that costs two dollars down at the at the liquor store in the back in the glass cabinet? <laughs> now the article goes on to say, how is a supposedly decent wine sold at such a low price point? Where does it come from? How did it rise to such prominence? And the article goes on to say, this is a tale of one wine brand, two vintners. So the real Charles Shaw embodied the elite aura of the wine industry. He obtained degrees from West Point and Stanford Business School. No slouch. He worked as an investment banker in France and spent his summers wearing polo shirts in Nantucket. He could sniff a glass of Gamay Nouveau and pick out the notes of banana. After a chance encounter with a famous sommelier in Paris, Shaw fell deeply in love with the craft of winemaking. In 1974, the worldly young banker quit his lucrative job, bought 20 acres in Napa with his wife's inheritance, and launched... Charles Shaw Winery. Shaw's wines were not for the plebes. His flagship Beaujolais, which retailed for $13 at the time, probably about $57 today, won international acclaim. You ever had Beaujolais? I have not. Super good. Uh, Mr. Jones is a big wine head, so he can probably give you the, the 411 on Beaujolais. As winery expanded to 115 acres, 60 employees, 50,000 cases per year. By 1984, the business was pulling in $800,000 in annual sales, roughly equivalent to $2.1 million today, all on bankers' wine. Uh, But in the late 80s, things began to fall apart, as they so often do Trouble began when a supplier error tainted 1.4 thousand barrels of wine, and a root louse infestation destroyed 50 acres of vines. The couple went through a nasty divorce that took a toll on management. Then a recession. Wow, this guy really got dragged to the mud, didn't he? No kidding. In 1992, Shaw was three million in debt and entrenched in Chapter 11. He stashed what little left he had in his car, took a final glance over Napa's trellised hills, and left town. Wow. Hmm.
0: I'm waiting for the upside.
1: Yeah, it goes on to talk about uh, Fred Franzia, unrefined and heavy set. Uh, The New Yorker likened him to a gourmet marshmallow. You can see a picture of this guy waddling through his wine field like he is sweaty the fat man. Like he is not not in good shape at all. Uh, But he launched his own wine company called Bronco Wine and a rickety wood panel trailer held together with duct tape. He set out to produce extremely cheap, high quality, super value wines. Wines that rejected the pretentiousness of Napa Valley. This is wine that stacks, my man. I love it. Uh, it looks like his uncle is Ernest Gallo. Well. Oh, okay. That's the, that's the Gallo. Gallo. Yeah,
0: That's the Cannonball wine.
1: Uh, through a Luca Leaphole, he could say his wines were cellared and bottled in Napa. That's interesting. He bought bulk wine selling it to larger wineries as a profit, but soon Franzia saw an opportunity to produce his own cheap wines. Wines, as he later put it, the yuppies would feel comfortable drinking. Uh, He developed a strategy of buying out distressed wineries with distinguished sounding names, Napa Ridge, Napa Creek, Domain Napa, and using them to sell his stock of less desirable Central Valley wines. Get out! In summer of 95, a few years after the real Charles Shaw went bust, this guy Franzia bought the winery. And the name and the label and all the brand equity for twenty-seven grand.
0: Oh wow! This sounds like that, you know, that McDonald's story all over again, mm-hmm. where he swoops in and
1: so stole this, it. The guy that does boxed Wine bought up a distressed property from a very high-class, expensive winery, slapped the name on it, and then proceeded to do what what these guys do: stack them deep, sell them cheap. And Tubuck Chuck was born. Wow. So so he so
0: Charles Shaw actually had nothing to do with this. It's this Franzi it guy. He just
1: wanted the name. Sounds pretty much like the real Charles Shaw, who was responsible for Beaujolais and all of the decadence of the 70s and early 80s, actually had to sell out and sell everything. And this guy, Fred Francia, picked up the name for a song. Uh, put his swill in the nice branded bottle and sold it off to Trader Joe's. And Trader Joe's is more than happy to get the nice highfalutin brand for $2. So uh, branding 101, kids. (laughs) Yeah, marketing matters. Marketing matters. 100%. Well, okay. Uh, Next one, which we may or may not have enough time to get to, comes from The Economist, Uh, Science and Technology posted on March 23rd. The taste for fermented food goes back a long way. Other primates have it too. Uh, It's a long article that I won't get into, but I thought it was very interesting that other animals are interested in fermented food. And so they talk about Dr. Amato, uh, studies published in 2015 and 2019, which showed that the genes encoding two proteins involved in handling fermentation, uh, alcohol, something, 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 Uh, triggers an inflammatory response to organic acids produced by fermentation, blah, 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 blah. This suggests that a transition in eating habits occurred about then. So primates being a well-studied order, she decided to investigate those habits in other members of the group. So the reason that I found this interesting is this study compiled data on the diets of 40 different species, including gorillas, chimpanzees, baboons, macaques, capuchins, lemurs, and spider monkeys from 50 places in Asia, Africa, and the Americas. At first sight, the results were disappointing. Dr. Amato and her colleagues found that only 15 species had been seen consuming fruit in the late and therefore obvious stages of fermentation. Also, such fermented fruit made up at most 3% of those species' diets. A little more probing, however, revealed something interesting. Of the 44 types of fruit eaten in an advanced state of fermentation, 16 had tough husks that the animals could not easily open unless they were first fermented, and 25 contained digestion impeding or toxic chemicals like tannins and alkaloids that fermentation tends to destroy. So the article goes on to say maybe, if you're a fan of evolution science, maybe. The primates were all about the brown before we even came along. What say you?
0: I say that I let, I let my dogs go outside, walk around in the yard, and I watch them eat shit. <laughs> so I think that it's very possible that if there is food, fermented or not, in front of a hungry animal, they're going to eat it. That's what I think. And uh, it may or may not be food, obviously, from my my dogs. It, I, I don't understand animals' motivation when it comes to co- constant, constant hunger. And I almost feel bad. Like people come over, my dogs are up, you know, sniffing, 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 up begging, 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 begging all the time. And I'm like, Are you that hungry? Am I that bad of a person? That bad of a dad? That I that I can't I'm not feeding my dogs enough that they're in this constant mode of starvation? And you know, obviously I'm sitting there with a bowl of Chex Mix and eating it while I'm contemplating this, but (laughs) I just I don't understand. (laughs) I don't get it. I I I think that. Animals that are hungry are going to eat whatever in front of them. I, I don't really honestly think that it has anything to do with the fermentation. Or I mean, nothing in that article really felt to me that they were calling out that they were seeking this out or they were craving it. It's just, yeah, they ate it.
1: Yeah. And that seems to be the the general take on it is several of the fermented fruit eating primates alive today split off from the line that leads to people well over 10 million years ago. Presumably they've evolved their own genetic arrangements for dealing with fermentation products and the microbes that produce them. So maybe this is more of a probiotic argument. Uh, Either way, it's fun to see where the origins of these things go. At some point, somewhere in the British Isles, somebody decided to let barley water rot. And then they cleaned it out and they drank what was left. And that was the beginning of what would become whiskey. So it was you a day. I think that maybe, maybe the ancestors of humans at some point were stupid enough to go, what is it? Did you smell it? Eat it. Find out. That's why I think days are so important
0: to human evolution. Like we need to continue daring people and, <laughs> and getting them to do things that we've never done just in case it might be something we should be doing. That's where cliff diving came from. That's where fermentation came from. You know, half the mushrooms they eat today, you know, half of them didn't go so well, but you gotta, you gotta find the person to, to dare you eat, eat that thing, eat that thing over there.
1: So you're saying hold my beer is an evolutionary necessity.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> much, much better put than my, Mumble mouth.
1: Very well, sir. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Let's go to headlines. Are you wrong? Tater salad white. <laughs> You got me. Just
0: read just read, read the,
1: the prompter. <laughs> okay, I found this one interesting because you are in California, sir. Uh, we're going to we're going to get into the article to figure out where in California, cuz California is a big state. Uh, but the headline says bear cubs in California are developing an unexplained illness that makes them friendly and not afraid of people. Always be afraid of bears. I'm going to say that again. Disclaimer. Always be afraid of bears. Black bear cubs in California have been showing dog-like behavior, officials say. Uh, They say the behavior is on the rise and is likely linked to a brain condition. Scientists don't know the exact cause, but have identified five viruses in the bears. Some black bear cubs in California have been exhibiting uncharacteristic, overly friendly dog-like behaviors, and scientists aren't sure why. California Department of Fish and Wildlife, last month, it picked up a small female black bear with this kind of behavior from Pollock Pines, east of Sacramento. If any of our Magic 15 is in Sactown, pay attention. The young bear, which was underweight, had moved into a residential backyard and was comfortable around people, picking up apples and eating them in front of the residents on their patio. The bear did not respond to the people yelling or clapping, and at one point, it jumped into a housekeeper's open car trunk. Whoa! Nope. Nope. Brand, Brandon Monk, M-U-N-K, great name. A wildlife yeah. veteran with a department uh, told CBS Sacramento that this was not normal behavior and was a red flag. Thank you, Brandon Monk. <laughs> uh, A.K.A. Captain Obvious. The phenomenon was an in 2014, Fish and Wildlife says. Like other bears picked up before her, the small bear in Pollock Pines displayed a head tilt and walked oddly. Zombie friendly bears. In one instance in the uh, past few years, a bear walked into a classroom and sat in the back just like a puppy dog. Scientists have found that this behavior is linked to encephalitis or inflammation in the brain. Wasn't clear what had caused the encephalitis.
0: I don't want to believe that this is true, but I'm interested by it because on some level you'd think, hey, you know, maybe these bears are just getting so acclimated to people uh, that maybe they're not really scared of them because hey they're a bear but the fact that it did that head tilt thing Mm. i'm thinking mm, i I believe it i I, you know how skeptical i am i'm i am the show's skeptic every Mm -hmm. time these things come up and i i do believe that there is some kind of virus out there that's making these things crazy but beware right (laughs) because zombie cuddly bears (laughs) yeah it's a new tactic to get you close before they bite oh, your head that's off. That's
1: right. Five new viruses have been identified in these sick bears, but scientists don't know whether they're linked to the symptoms, the department said. The viruses don't appear to be a risk to humans. A veteran hmm. at UC Davis's One Health Institute. In the past year, four bears with these symptoms have been brought to authorities, adding that the situation was becoming more common in the Tahoe Basin and elsewhere around the state. One hmm. bear was spotted in Humboldt County. 366 mile drive from lake tahoe and some have been seen on the nevada side of lake tahoe humboldt county you know what that bear was doing
0: hello <laughs> let me tell you i i think once triple b listens to this show she's going to be book, booking this trip to tahoe she's don't. a huge huge bear fan and uh you know the little one also has bear boots and and we have bear things all over this house. So I'm pretty sure we're going to have to go to Tahoe now looking for these.
1: So you're going to go look for the crooked neck, friendly, cuddly bears with a virus.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a risk, but it's a w- risk I'm willing to let her take.
1: <laughs> you know, she could take some bitching pictures in front of Lake Tahoe. She could. She could. Uh,
0: I I think uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this story. I kind of want to go out and hug a bear.
1: We'll find a bear. Bears with this neurological condition cannot survive in the wild and some like the young black bear who hugged the snowboarder, have been placed in wildlife care facilities and zoos. The small bear picked up in Pollock Pines, however, was euthanized. That's the
0: worst part. I was actually hoping can we we duplicate this virus and spread it and get more bears that are cuddly? Sounds like it's a bad thing
1: so sad Uh, also in headlines I found this one fascinating because I am a nerd 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 this one comes to us from designboom.com world's first space hotel orbital assembly world's first space hotel expected to open in 2027 Bam.
0: yes all right okay I can make it I can make it that far
1: California-based startup Orbital Assembly Corporation has announced plans to begin the construction of the world's first space hotel in 2025. I can't believe this can happen in our lifetime. Set inside the Voyager Station, a new space station that could be operational as early as 2027, the hotel will host restaurants, a cinema, spa, and rooms for 400 people.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Shut up and take my money. Our planned orbit and elevation for Voyager station is 97 degrees and 500 to 550 kilometers, said Orbital Assembly on a Twitter post. This is a sun-synchronous polar orbit that will reduce thermal stress and allow for almost continuous solar power generation. There, orbit degradation and space debris risk will be nominal. Self-proclaimed as the world's first large-scale construction company, Orbital Assembly says that the Voyager station will feature more than 11,000 square meters of habitable space in modules and access tubes, 200 meters in overall diameter, estimated mass of 2,400 metric tons, and an estimated volume of 51,000 cubic meters. All of these pictures show people walking around. So is this going to be that thing where it spins to create gravity?
0: It looks circular, and I think it is spinning to create gravity. Yes. That's what I'm thinking.
1: 24 modules have been allocated as habitation, each measuring 12 meters in diameter and 20 meters long. That's good size. Uh, scale comparison. Oh, so it's way bigger than the International Space Station. Oh, yeah. That's big bitch.
0: It looks a little bit like... The, did you see the, what's the one with Matt Damon, Mar, Mars, something the Martian. Um, the Martian, Martian, Martian. Did you, I read the book, which I thought was phenomenal. And I thought he did a pretty good job, all things considering, but uh, it looks a little bit like the ship in that movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I the part. movie was solid. Uh, I also think about space odyssey because there was a hotel that spun and the two guys just walked along the hotel. Like the funny part was, it's spinning, but it was almost like it's spinning and there's still gravity, so they're constantly walking downhill. So uh, mm. it's Kubrick in the '70s, I think we can cut up some slack.
0: Yeah, what was the other one that was? What was the one with uh, Pratt recently? Uh, Tenant? No, not Tenant. It was Passenger? Passengers. The passengers
1: with yeah. J Law. Yes, I like that movie. I thought that movie was solid. I loved Michael Sheen as the bartender.
0: Oh, yeah, that was great. That was great.
1: Is he related to the other Sheens? Uh, no. Uh, he was married to Kate Beckinsale for a while.
0: Uh, he's and, my hero then.
1: And they have a kid together. He's my hero then. Yeah, he's for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know if we're going to be able to afford a room in this place in our lifetime. Never. Never. That's something to look forward to. Yeah, zineboom.com forward slash technology forward slash world's first space hotel orbital assembly 0303 2021. I mean, they're
0: going to build the hotel and what they don't really get into is how do you get there? So they're, are they just banking on this Virgin and uh, Virgin Atlantic and um, what is what the hell is Mr. Tesla making?
1: Uh, So he's got SpaceX and then Bezos just retired because he wants to focus on blue origin. So Virgin Galactic and yeah, that's three, maybe four space tourism agencies. So you've got legit demand. Uh, Here's the thing. It costs $10,000 a pound to put something in space. So once you get up there, you still got to pay for the hotel. So talk about, I don't even want to go on a cruise because the plane ticket to Miami is $2,000.
0: Yeah. I didn't know $10,000 a pound. That's right.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I remember from Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well, he would know. He would know it might be a hundred thousand dollars a pound, but 10 sounds more realistic.
0: Uh, we just need to get more efficient than that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, you have to, you have to burn fossil fuels to get enough escape velocity to get out. And then you got to burn a bunch to stick into an orbit. Now we can do better. I think we can do better. And I think it's just a matter of time. All right. From the crank file. This is is your personal favorite segment.
0: I love the crank file. And, and Hey, 15, you need to sound off on this because these are the best, you know, this is the part you're waiting for.
1: (laughs) I know
0: a lot of you just fast forward until you get to that part.
1: This one's this crank file comes to us from sciencenews.org. Uh, A gene defect may make rabbits do handstands instead of hop. To move quickly, some rabbits throw up their back legs and walk on their front paws. Uh, this rabbit known as Tony Hawk. So the article goes on to say, one defective gene might turn some bunnies' hops into handstands, a new study suggests. To move quickly, a breed of domesticated rabbit called Sauter delfour sends its back leg sky high and walks on its front paws. That strange gait may be the result of a gene tied to limb movement. Researchers report March 25th in PLOS Genetics. Sauter delfour rabbits aren't the only animal to adopt an odd scamper. If there's a mutation to this gene known as RORB, Mice with a mutation to the gene also do handstands if they start to run, says Stephanie Koch, a neuroscientist at University College London, who was not involved with the rabbit work. And even while walking, the mice hike their back legs up to waddle forward, almost like a duck.
0: This is going to be the weirdest Easter ever.
1: This is it, it, rabbits, mice, and. Ugh. Understanding why the rabbits move in such a strange way could help researchers learn more about how the spinal cord works. The study is contributing to our basic knowledge about a very important function in humans and all animals, how we are able to move. In the rabbit study, Anderson and colleagues bred hopless Sautour delfour male rabbits with New Zealand white female rabbits that can hop. The team then scanned the genetic blueprints of the offspring that couldn't hop and looked for mutations that didn't appear in the offspring that could a mutation in the RORB gene popped up as a likely candidate for the rabbit's acrobatic handstands. That change creates faulty versions of the genetic instructions that cells use to make proteins the researchers found. As a result, there appears to be less of the RORB protein in specialized nerve cells in rabbits that have the mutation compared with rabbits who don't. So all I think about is one, get that rabbit a skateboard, and two, Monty Python and the Holy Grail.
0: Oh, we need a holy hand grenade so bad. Three is the number that I count to, (laughs) and uh, count to the number three. Four would be too many. You must find us a a shrubbery. Right out. (laughs) 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 Two would not be enough the Yes, that is absolutely the most terrifying bunny in the world. And again, it brings up my favorite point, which is how have we not cured cancer? Because we're spending so much time researching bunnies that are doing
1: handstands. Handstand bunnies, yep. So, happy Easter to all of you browners out there, the Magic 15. We wanted to do something special for Easter, so here is your story on handstand bunnies and if you see any of those
0: those poor teenagers that are in the bunny suits tell them about this article and ask them to do the handstand in front of you because and then immediately send that to bottleofbrown.com because we want to we want to see that
1: (laughs) or show bottleofbrown at gmail.com we'll be right back This is a technically, it's maybe more dating than parenting, but I want to do it because of the use of the term dad bod. So say it. Today?
0: Yes. Yes. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Let's right. hear this.
1: Oh, celebrate. It's a joyous occasion. This one comes to us from prnewswire.com. Dating.com reveals dad bods are the majority of singles' body type preference.
0: Really? Oh, I can't wait to tell Triple B that on how damn desirable I really am out in the marketplace.
1: March 16th, 2021. Summer and warm weather are only a couple months away and singles are hard at work trying to get their bodies in shape for bathing suit season. But are all of the extra hours at the gym really worth it? Nope. Dating.com, part of the dating group and the company behind numerous online dating sites announces the results of its latest member survey which reveals the most desirable body type among singles. The online dating giant also shares its tips for feeling confident in your own skin while online dating to help attract the significant other of your dreams. Now, for those of you that are parents that probably have a significant other, and you're perfectly happy with your significant other, this is not really the point of what we want to talk about. What we want to talk about, the article continues, bodies come in all shapes and sizes and are equally beautiful. However, however, Just like book genres or different types of foods, everyone has a preference. Dating.com decided to survey its members to discover their body type preferences when looking for a partner, as well as how they are preparing their summer body to attract singles. The results may come as a surprise. You ready, Leon? I'm ready. Here we go. Nearly 75% of singles shared that they are a fan of the dad bod. Boom, 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 yes. Meaning they like a figure that isn't super chiseled. Booyah, three out of four agree. Let the gut fly.
0: I'm not exactly sure that we need to interpret that statistic as oh get oh. fat. Oh, you say? It, yeah, I let's continue on. I can't I can't wait to hear the rest Even of the details. Though
1: dad bods were a highly ranked preference. More than 20% of those surveyed also shared that body type doesn't matter. When it comes to finding a partner, they prefer to focus on personality overlooks, bam, dad bod. <laughs> Out of those surveyed who believe they have a dad bod, 45% of them shared that they like to put hashtag dad bod in their bios because they are proud of their physiques and more than 70% of singles reported they have started working out, going to the gym more in the last couple of months to get in shape before summer. 38% of Dating.com members shared they joined a the gym with the hope of getting fit before bathing suit season, but have yet to work out. Do you know why? The lure of the dead bod.
0: Dad bod. Hey, Triple B just walked by. Hey, are you going to make the show next week? Uh, you you invited me this week, Elaine. Yeah, you were supposed to be on here this week, and I forgot about that. Special Um, guest. She's in. She's in. You have to make them tacos first. Tacos! Taco Thursday. Speaking of Taco Thursday, I hate to divert from the dad bod, but I do think this does apply in this specific story. Have you had the tacos from Costco? Yes. The... The chicken taco, the street tacos, Kid, yes, 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 they're amazing. They it's are. magic, absolutely. 100%. It's for magic. I don't know what they do. That green stuff that's in there, the, sauce that is salsa, good, isn't it? The salsa is on oh. fire, so you gotta be careful with it. But it's delicious. Oh, home run! The crunchy cabbage they put in there, amazing.
1: All for contributing to. Yeah, God,
0: <laughs> huge, huge fan of that. Uh, when did dad bod become a household term? That's what I want to know because I don't have any
1: idea. I hope the Magic 15 can chime in on that one. But just for some reason, like Leo DiCaprio has a dad bod and it's like, oh yeah, dad bods are cool. It's like, no, that's Leo. Yeah. But we have empirical evidence from a dating site aggregator 75% of people go, yeah, no, dad bods cool. Yes, it is. Do you know the. You know, have you ever in
0: your, well, you were a pretty big fitness guy back in school. I, mm-hmm. you used to lift a lot. You mm-hmm. were really, really big on controlling your weight because you're a wrestler and mm-hmm. when you're in wrestling, it's, you, you got to watch, you got to spit in towels. You got to do everything you can to make weight. Oh, before, every
1: Every ounce counts.
0: Yeah. Before, before the big, the big match. And at that point, you know, food is food is fun it doesn't really even matter it's kind of almost a nuisance because you just want to plow through and plow through life but i think as as you go on you realize what a time commitment being a fitness specimen is especially for people that are middle-aged or higher because when i see somebody now that's my age or a little bit older and they're like tip-top fitness I, I can't help but think how much time do you have to dedicate to this? Cause I don't have it. I got one kid. I got one kid and I don't have time for that. Well, they're putting the work so, in for sure. They are. And I, I applaud them because it, and I know it's, it's like a drug, you know, we, we, we have uh you know, Gabby, he big time workout, right. Mm-hmm. Loves it, yep. loves it. And uh, you know, he gets up at four 30 in the morning does all his lifting and everything done by 5 30 and then in, and into work by you know le- heading heading down to san diego by six o'clock in the morning and mm-hmm. i and he never misses a day and then comes back on the way back and you know after he parks his car ends up running or something i don't know mm-hmm. he does a mile or two fascinating to me i mean yeah, that he kills is he Ill- smokes it yeah, he does i mean it's a lifestyle though it is an absolute lifestyle and of course i want to be healthy of course but i'm not going to be that kind of healthy I'll, I'll eat right if you know i mean, i'm not gonna eat crazy right i'm not gonna have kale you know all the time but i'm gonna try to eat a little bit better lower my sugar do all that kind of stuff but man that that type of one to two hour commitment every day and it's even harder as you age right as you start to get to this dad age because when you were younger and you started lifting i remember it was like results started to show so that motivated you to do it more Mm -hmm. when you're this age you work out as hard as you ever have and it takes so long for the results to show you just give up you're like this ain't worth it i i'm sore every day i'm not getting the energy but
1: I think getting up early helps because you've got nothing else to do. And so by, by process of, all right, I'm up, you kind of, you naturally get there, but you got to have access to a gym. Like when, when I was getting up and I like to get back in the habit of that as it starts to get warmer out here is I would get up at five, I would go into the garage, I would work out and then I would go jump in the pool because it's 90 in Phoenix by 8 a.m. And so I'll go out in the in the garage and work out. And then I'll just go jump in the pool because the pool is probably 80 degrees at right. eight in the morning. So that works for me. That's a good summer ritual. And yeah, when you get out there and you do the work, the results speak for themselves. But when you got kids and, and all the things that life throws at you, like all this stuff with uh, COVID where you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything. Uh, you know, you spend your time doing other things. So it's, you have to put the time in that's for sure.
0: I miss the energy it gave me though, in all honesty. I, yeah. I do miss that. It does. It gives you more it's it's so counterintuitive that it mm-hmm. gives you you go work your butt off and all the next next thing you know, you have all this energy to spend. So yep. that part I do need, especially as a as a forty year old dad of a four year old. I need I need to do better.
1: You gotta keep up. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah.
0: God, it's gotta be so much easier to have kids in the twenties. I I I have that energy. I wish I had the energy of when I did when I was 20.
1: Well, the hardest part is just getting up. Yeah. But it's doable. We'll be right back. All right, my friend, that wraps us for this brown bulletin this week.
0: Brown uh, Bulletin.
1: We're gonna do round. What are we on? one, two, three. Oh, round four. Final oh, four. Oh, we're gonna do round four. The final ah, oh, funny how that works out. Round four mm-hmm. is the final four. Danny, yeah, have a good week. You too, sir. You <laughs> have a good week.
0: I'm gonna try to finish the rest of this uh brown bracket booze that I have. Yeah, and did you stock uh, up for this? I always stock up. And unfortunately, triple B had some pretty heavy pours, so I'm gonna go tumbling, <laughs> tumbling down the stairs after this. So <laughs>
1: I think cheers she's trying to, you, to get
0: lucky. I think she's trying to get lucky with these pours. I don't uh, know what's going on.
1: Well, good luck, my man. <laughs> cheers, to you, sir. Till next time. Cheers,
0: cheers to you, Danny. is dead anyway, man.